each episode of this podcast, we'll explore effective uh, ways to construct and deliver sermons. In this part, we will take lessons from the world of TED Talks and applying them to level up preaching and teaching. The TED theme is ideas worth sharing. We believe the ultimate idea worth sharing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Mike, you have experience with many, many sermons, developing those messages, delivering those. How does structure vary with content? What are the what are some key elements you might want to share with the audience? Well, if I may, Chuck, to start off, I, for me, I'm presuming that who I'm talking to on the other side of this microphone is someone that on a weekly basis because of being in pastoral ministry have to produce a sermon every week. I'm picturing you, Chuck, and me coming alongside to just give some encouragement and guidance because for me, having preached multiple thousands of sermons in my 40 years, <laughs> there were times I stepped off the platform and I thought, okay, this sucker's not going to see the light of day ever again. <laughs> and I would file the sermon. I'm sure there are others out there that have that feeling. So you, you want to encourage pastors with through this series of podcasts, not to be critical of them, but to provide some level of perspective and, and insight that uh, might help them. Absolutely. Because what Chuck and I want is when you hear our voices, we don't want you reacting thinking, oh, no, it's them again. <laughs> we want you to react and say, okay, now what nugget can I learn? And so this morning we're going to talk about something very, very basic, that it's the structure of a sermon. Because the other thing that, that Chuck and I discussed a little bit before we went on air was the fact that all of us, including you, the preacher, you don't just preach sermons, you listen to sermons. You go to church, you hear others, right. and you wonder, why is it that this guy caught my attention, but this guy did not? Why this woman energized me and this woman lost me? And it's all in that structure approach to the the sermon, the message, how it's so delivered. You want to help people connect better with with uh, the audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's very similar for a TED Talk or a sermon. And, and I come from a, a background of, of engineering. Yep. And uh, as Mike were, and I were chatting before going on air, it's like, well, what does engineering have to do with this is that I basically sold ideas. Mm -hmm. I had a, a you know, I had, may have a concept. I was asked to supply some data, but ultimately to persuade people to pursue this idea. And that's really the, the basic similarity is that effective communication helps uh, sharing those, expressing those ideas in a way that people can understand and connect with and remember. And when you told me that, Chuck, that was so helpful for me because I keep thinking of engineers, all they do is nuts and bolts. <laughs> they don't have any connection with people, but you do. Well, exactly, because you have to get the funding for a project, for example. You had to persuade management to get 
uh, resources to get people to help you on that project. Uh, you, you needed to persuade them this was a really important thing to do. Mm. And let's, let's be sure we make another assumption to you, the preacher that's listening to us, that when you go to another church, you don't sit in there to be critical of the person that's getting up to preach because you do it every week. Oh, man, your heart is hungry. You want to be fed. And there are sometimes when the plane gets off the ground and, boy, you're really with it. And there are other times you wonder where the plane's going. <laughs> and and we've all had that kind of experience when we finish a sermon. We think, oh, boy, how did that Go ahead. And I guess I was thinking when when we were uh, we when we travel we we make it a practice of uh, we attend a church wherever we're at. Mm-hmm. We Maybe on vacation, and maybe traveling other places. And so I've been really uh, blessed by some of the sermons I've heard, some of the ideas that people shared. And other times, it's really hard to connect with what's being said. And that's, and that's what we're really about here is to, can the structure really help people uh, to, to connect? Yeah. And I, I guess when I think of structure, I think of the, the introduction. Yep. Is, is you, you, you sit down, you're, you're wanting to be fed, you're wanting to, to, to see how God is going to bless you with this message. And so how long do you think you have to really connect with, yeah. with an audience? Critically important in terms of it, it, you think of movies you think of novels books the always right up front is the okay where are we going that's the introduction you need to get to know who the characters might be you need to get to know the the setting that's what we're when we're saying structure it's trying to help your listener get tuned into you and where you're going, because they didn't sit at your desk all day, all week. They didn't know, have all the background. And in your mind, you've got it real clear. You've got to make sure it's clear to them. Is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, so you, you're, you're providing what is, what you're going to cover yep. and why it's important. Yeah. If you do those things, you have people. You and, have their attention. They're, they're really connected with what you're doing. It's, I guess it's actually very similar with a TED Talk Uh they suggest, uh, Chris Anderson uh, in his book uh, about TED Talks suggests that you have 60 to 90 seconds. Now, with a sermon, it may be a bit longer than that, but if you can strive for the first couple hundred words yeah. to really to, to hit that hard, to really describe uh, why it's important and what it is the general, the general topic is going to be about. And the presumption Chuck and I are making, obviously we've already covered this in the previous two podcasts, is you've done your exegesis. You've got your notes spread out before you. This is where it gets tough. You look at all those pages of notes and you go, okay, I got 100 to 200 words to to narrow this down to say, okay, this is where I believe Paul or Jesus or David is going and this is why it's important. But that you can't skip that step. You can't presume that everybody wants to exegete or t- talk about Hebrew words. It's it's interesting you say that because this this week I was asked to to deliver a devotional to a to a, a board, mm-hmm. 
And so I'd, I'd written this and, and kind of reviewed it over time. But in the morning before I was to deliver this at noon, I went through that and I said that if I just jump into what I had as paragraph number three, mm-hmm. it'd be much stronger. And that's so that whole process, in my mind, of editing and avoiding every possible rabbit trail. Because yeah. I had, uh, it was really a side trail. It was, it was an interesting fact. I thought, it was, I, thought, I thought it was fascinating, but my audience didn't need to hear it. Yeah. And that's where you got to get brutal. Because it may be a story that resonates with you. It may be something that touched you. But it's that person, that person right there in the third row that I've got to have in my mind. What does she, he need to hear to help move this plane along? Chuck, do you have some pilot background? I thought you said you had something in aviation because when you get a plane up in the air, you don't necessarily fly straight from here to Chicago. Uh, you have you got some some waypoints along the way. I I don't have any flying background. I've taken more than the uh, the number of plane rides I've wanted to take due to business travel, but from what I understand, uh, is that there's basically way waypoints in the sky, and that's why planes will turn all of a sudden just in the air, and they they veer off to another location, and hence those are the points too that I think are part of a sermon. That you've got to fly to that one. Okay, we're good. Now are we going to go to the next one? Do you think that kind of helps you as in the delivery process when you have those intermediate sh- touch points? Oh, where, absolutely. So, you, okay, I've covered this. Now my my next direction is is to, to add this point to the sermon, to the message, to, to help move the ideas along. Right. In, in my training... Ages and ages ago, it was always three points that all began with P. So that's that's just wired into me. But my failure in those early days was I would, like you were referring to, Chuck, I would jam-packed point one with so much stuff that maybe point two and point three were even more important but I didn't have any time left. Yeah. So I had to become more brutal with the stories I was telling, the illustrations, the do I really need to take apart this word? And I, and I had to get more brutal so that I could help move the message along from the, the, the through line. This is where we're going and it keeps moving and it progresses toward that conclusion point. But I had to become, I keep saying brutal. That I think the, the most, probably the most important part of a sermon is what you don't say. Mm-hmm. Is, and, and I think a, a, lot of, a lot of technical talks, a lot of uh, TED talks, a lot of other communications, really more is less. Is the, those uh, additional points they they take away from your 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 clock time that you have available for your message and and it's not to say that that story that illustration that point aren't good they are <laughs> right you just can't say them all in in one time and therefore think of that in in this on sunday afternoon 
you're done with that week's sermon, right? Uh-huh. Right. What faces you Monday morning? The next one. <laughs> next week's sermon. And well, you, 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 you may have prepared. You may have, you may have your outline. You may have several points already established in that. But now you're going to be editing that. Now you're going to be adding to that. Now you're going to pursuing that next message. Which so don't necessarily throw away what you edited out. Set it aside, and say this. Okay, this works better in next week's sermon than this week's sermon. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're if you're doing a series. Yep. If you're doing a series, that you you may want to save what you've edited out. You know, put it at the end of the document and then transfer it over as as you need to. Yep. Um, and so. throughout the sermon too, I would say, Chuck, preaching is theological. But if it's not practical, meaning, what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? So through the preparations, clever illustrations are nice. They may be memorable. But the question the person is sitting there thinking is, okay, so now what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? The now what? Yeah, very much so. And I have to think, again, there's that word, thinking through. Now, the the other thing that you talked about prior to us going on a microphone, Chuck, is the difference between say, an engineer in the boardroom or the TED Talk speaker, it's not that they don't rely on the Holy Spirit if they're a believer. But I mean, that there is no context. Like a sermon, you're depending on the Holy Spirit to work in and through your preparations to give power and direction to what you're saying. So the Holy Spirit really interacts both as you're delivering the sermon as important, if not more important, is in the preparation. Oh, very much so. And and that whole definition of inspiration, did the Holy Spirit give rote material to the, the prophets and the apostles as they read the scripture, or did he work within their thinking process? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the latter, that he kind of guided and protected their thinking so that what came out was his word. Well, similar to a sermon. I would just sit there and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you know what needs to be said here. You know what that guy in the third row needs. Guide my thoughts. And that, that's a key part of the thinking is also the listening, if that makes sense. Right. So as you're bringing a sermon to a close, the conclusion is, is a key thing because people remember... They remember maybe the high point, and they remember you've the the ending. Yep. So, what what insights do you have on how to bring a message to a close? Well, for me, Chuck, the critical point of the conclusion happens all the way back at the beginning. <laughs> okay, I'm studying my text, and off to the side of well, this. Keep in mind, I, I didn't have computers to work with in my early days. So I had scratch pads and I had all sorts of stuff spread all over my desk. And one pad was on my right, always right there, was to write down, okay, the so what? What do I do with this thing? And I would just be writing down, okay, what's 
Paul getting it? What does this mean? What is Jesus saying here? You know, take the Sermon on the Mount. What does he mean, meek? You know, the meek inheriting the earth. And what does this look like? So the, by the time I get to my conclusion, I've already been thinking through these so what questions because it's out of that that I structure my various, what, are, what do they call those, VR points or with an airplane? It, it, I've got to land in Chicago. And and so you've got those waypoints along the way. Exactly. But but you know where you're going. You you know your propositional statement. You know your through line, and the through line really helps you to some degree to define what this what the what the ending should look like. Mm-hmm. And it starts right up front, and it follows through. But then, yes, there's got to be some concerted think time, listening time, to say okay. What does this mean for Bob in the third row, for Diane over on the side, for Shelby sitting in the back? What does this mean for them? And if I can't narrow it down to something concise, then I need to back away and and run at it again and maybe alter something in the sermon because I thought it was a delightful illustration, but it got me off track. I lost that I was I was aiming for O'Hare and I ended up midway. Close, but not quite. <laughs> not quite. I think that um and I'm I'm drawing upon this this recent thought process of creating this devotional is that I spent quite a bit of time on the introduction, the the core I had pretty well set, mm-hmm. but then was okay, I want to leave them with a memorable statement. Mm-hmm. We want to be not only light, but salt to the world around us. We want to be pure salt to mm-hmm. the world around us. Trying different ways of expressing that to leave them with this this short three or four or five words that hopefully they can they can keep in their mind. Well, and that goes back to our earlier podcast, Chuck. The the through line, the through thought that 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 statement probably should appear multiple times in the sermon so that it begins to get hammered home in all the context and then at the conclusion to say okay this is what this means mm-hmm. and but it but it's a memorable statement now you know there are people that i marvel at how creative they are with those short sentences for me it was a labor. I really had to work at it. I understand. That's my. That's where I'm at too. Where I, I really have to. It takes me time. It, it takes me think time to consider different ways of expressing it. Is this really fully capturing the idea, or not? And but, I think for the majority of of uh, pastors, there's 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 a labor of love there. Mm-hmm. And what could be more important? then implant those ideas deeply into the minds of, of your congregation. And, and if I might slip this in, because this is just coming to me, it comes from one of my early mentors when I was in college, uh, Pastor Chris Lyons, just wonderful, godly, gentle man, excellent, excellent preacher, loved, couldn't wait for Sunday to come so I could sit under him, and then got into a Bible study with him. And one of the things he said, Mike, please understand, 
there are no original thoughts. The only original thoughts are usually heresy. (laughs) He said, if you find something that this person or that, me, he said, well, give me credit. Like my pastor Chris Lyons said, and go ahead and use his phrase. Yeah, exactly. Because there are good ones out there. There's good ones out there, and... And if you give someone else credit for it, it doesn't diminish what people think of you. Mm-hmm. And I suspect it probably actually enhances it. Yep. Where you'll get in trouble is if you take something from Rick Warren <laughs> and pretend it's yourself, your own. Because most people will say, wait, didn't I hear Rick Warren yeah, say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's giving credit is, yeah. is, is an easy thing. In my mind, it's just kind of like, well, you do it and, and you move on. Yep. Most people don't remember. They will remember only when you take credit for something that's not yours. Yeah. And that's I, not good. I have such affection for guys like Andy Stanley and Chuck Swindoll and Steve Brown. They they just had a mastery of the English language. My wife has that gift. And so I'll often quote her. Uh, they, Maggie's pretty impressive there. Yeah. Uh, so you're... So give them credit and say, you know, my wife has said this on many occasions. Kind of move to another thing is that I noted that with the TED Talks that, that coaching really seems to help that feedback mm. that coaches provide. How does that connect with, with your experience as a pastor? To be very honest, uh, one of the things that I felt that I lacked during my ministry years was an older mentor that would come alongside me and be my coach. I thought once I had that fellow, but it, I don't know what I said, what I did, but it, it didn't work. So I think there are younger pastors out there that would love somebody to come alongside, not to be critical, not to say, why in the world did you say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a whole element of, of how you do coaching. Correct. I mean, coaching, uh, I guess one short definition I've heard that really stuck with me, coaching is is a process that evokes excellence. Mm-hmm. It isn't to beat up on people. It's to encourage them. Right. Uh, you know, to, provide, to provide candid feedback, but that level of encouragement, you're, you're a swim coach. Right. And so as a, as a swim coach, you have to encourage people. Mm-hmm. There's some correction involved. Yep. But there's also an encouragement, so so people strive. And even, I would say a little, a little deeper in there, Chuck, is that person, whether it's a swimmer or a preacher, they want to know: Do you believe in me? Do you do you really think in a positive fashion, or are you just saying, "Boy, you're a poor excuse of a pastor"? Because <laughs> sometimes when people would talk to me, that's how it felt. Well, I mean, I think that's that's a good point you're bringing up is that sometimes you'll, in uh, the, the pastorate, you have uh, some people who, who who find fault with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that can be really discouraging, I would think. Uh, but but you really have, you know, and, and, and I think that's where the positive encouragement yeah. is really essential. Yep. So I guess one of the things I would suggest is is to consider ways that you can you can get you can develop that relationship that coaching relationship that's positive and 
sometimes it it won't work out for some reason or another, but just keep pursuing that. And you used a wonderful illustration before we went on air again that you were talking with a friend and you started with the positive. You do this really well. Ah, may I encourage you to do it more? Okay. So instead of saying, how come you always put your hands in your pocket? <laughs> that doesn't help. It doesn't. That, it's hard to focus on the negative of an idea of don't do something rather than the positive mm-hmm. doing this. I mean, it's, it's no different in, in writing. It's better to express an idea in a positive way exactly. than a negative way. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing applies to coaching. Okay, what can you encourage that will ultimately displace some maybe negative behavior? And one of the things I will say to my swimmers, this is now we're on an illustration here, is that I will talk to them about all the things that they are doing well with their stroke mm-hmm. and that what we're doing now is fine-tuning. We're just changing a little bit but it'll give you 10 percent more or 15 percent more and that's huge when it comes to competition so it's not that i'm saying you got the worst stroke i've ever seen in the swimming pool i'm not i'm saying you're really good therefore you're worth it's worth modifying it's worth changing and and, and that's exactly what we see in 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 coaching uh, ted speakers yes is that People have this really great idea. They express it uniquely as they would express it. So as a coach, our job is to, to help them take a little bit of the rough edges off, keep focused on the through line. The key thing, encouraging people to express things as they would express them. Yeah. You're providing that audience level feedback of what small changes you can make to make a really big positive change in, its, in the delivery. And may I say to you who is listening to this first that that chuck and i are honored that you would even take time to listen to us and that you would allow us to bring suggestions and what have you and that we want to affirm you in what you're doing your work for the kingdom is vital it's 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 precious and so for us to come alongside you and to have just a little bit of input influence that that's really an honor i I mean it's threatening to make yourself vulnerable and say okay teach me so you're opening yourself up and saying okay i want to learn and uh, we applaud you for that we really do and we thank you that we've had a chance to give some input here we we do really appreciate your time and listening to us because we we know how hard it is Mm -hmm. we know the ongoing work the, the vital work, but this is how you're fulfilling your calling as a pastor to really express the Word of God, to express what, what the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart to, to your congregation. So yeah. we, we thank you uh, for all the work, and we hope that uh, this podcast has been, uh, been helpful to you. Yeah. So Lessons and and let, let us know yep. as, as uh, time progresses. Uh, let us know. Let us know what other topics you would have us uh, talk about. Yeah, that would be great. Again, thank you so very much for listening, and we'll we'll catch you on another cast. Mm-hmm.